0: Brittany and I are not doctors, dietitians, mental health professionals, experts on endometriosis, or any kind of qualified medical professional. So that means that none of the information we share on this podcast is medical or mental health advice. If
1: you get inspired by something we say, always consult your qualified medical professional
0: first before making any changes. Today, we're here to talk about hormones. Last week, we talked all about the hormone jungle that I find myself in. And the desert that I find myself in. And we gave an overview of the different hormones in our body. This week, we want to talk in depth about stress. My favorite
1: thing to talk about. (laughs) And And
0: experience. (laughs) (laughs) Not. Not. That was sarcasm. (laughs) We want to talk about how stress affects hormones and then also how exercise, gut health, and supplements can affect our hormones. So of course, things like lowering our stress and lifting weights or walking or other lifestyle changes can certainly help hormones. And for many people, it really can help them to leave, lucky, to leave the hormone jungle or leave the hormone desert. But for other people, you know, we might still need hormone replacement therapy or help from our doctor for our hormone problems. As I've mentioned in the past, I'm currently taking hormone replacement therapy. I'm taking progesterone. I'm also taking several supplements under the care of my natural path. So we just wanted to point that out, you know, like everything with all things related to endometriosis and to health, like Brittany and I love learning about lifestyle. We love learning about ways that we can help and empower ourselves But that does not mean that these lifestyle techniques that we're going to talk about today will suddenly magically cure all of our problems. But if it did, we would totally be here to tell you that. It would be so great, but that's impossible. Hopefully. I mean, it might really help some people. So I think there's like just a spectrum for all of us that's different. It's really depending on what our bodies need and where our bodies are at. This reminds me of lifestyle changes for endo itself. (laughs) It doesn't help
1: all of us depending on what scale and and what symptoms we're experiencing with our endo. Wow. Flashback.
0: (laughs) Friendly disclaimer. Diet and lifestyle changes cannot cure endometriosis, remove the lesions, shrink the lesions, dry up the lesions, or clean up the lesions. Correct. (laughs) Infomercial over. (laughs) But we just want to point out, like going in because we're talking about, you know, oh, our lifestyle can help our hormones. And that is absolutely true that our lifestyle changes can help our hormones. But Brittany and I are not here to be like, oh, just change your diet or change your lifestyle. Take a walk every day. And your progesterone levels will go up if they were low and your tea will come out of the tanks if it was in the tanks. If that was true, then we wouldn't be in the jungle in the desert. So. <laughs> <laughs> we're still so, in the jungle yeah. in the desert. I take lots of walks in the jungle every day. <laughs> Hacking at all jungle underbrush with my machete. Yeah, you know, I swim in the... But you're still there. Piranha-filled river. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is going more and more Amazon by the moment. <laughs> I said I'm in the jungle. <laughs> but our point is that diet and lifestyle can be really helpful. but But if you make diet and lifestyle changes and you still need the help of your doctor or you need to take exogenous hormones with hormone replacement therapy, there is no shame. There is no failure with that. All of our bodies are different. My body clearly wants hormones from the outside. Give me the progesterone. (laughs) Give me, give me, give me. Give me that. Greedy. (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with that. And just remember that all the resources that we use today are on our website in 16years.com. And as we said in last week's episode, we are new to hormones. We are learning alongside of you on this journey. We've put a lot of research into these episodes, but please reach out to us if you think that we've missed something or that any of our information that we've shared has accidentally been incorrect. So today we get to talk in depth
1: about cortisol, my absolute favorite steroid hormone, because it will never leave me
0: alone. Stress follows Brittany around like a dog follows a piece of bacon around. Ooh. (laughs) I was trying to think of something a dog. I don't have a dog. I'm like, what a dogs eat? A dog treat. A dog treat. (laughs) A very delicious smelling. Stress follows me
1: around like my dog follows me around. (laughs) We can go with that.
0: Except stress is not as cute and lovable and friendly and adorable as your doggy. And my dog de-stresses me. Stress just stresses me. (laughs) Now,
1: colloquially, cortisol is known as our stress hormone. <laughs> That's why I won't leave me alone. So it has a pretty bad rap. But actually, cortisol has been a little misjudged, and even by myself, I will admit.
0: Oh, poor baby.
1: Cortisol is super helpful in the body. It regulates our blood sugar, our metabolism, and our blood pressure. Those are super important.
0: <laughs> I mean,
1: debatable, like... We need that to like survive. So, like, that's really important.
0: Oh, cord is so good to us. It's to, trying. When it's good.
1: It also helps with, and you'll like this memory formation. God, I
0: feel like we're learning how much I love
1: having a good memory. Yeah, just brain
0: health, <laughs> cognitive function. You're going to love this one too.
1: You ready? Give it to me. Lowers inflammation. Oh, I need that. <laughs> god we need that so cortisol isn't the
0: bad guy you're right cortisol just
1: needs a little bit of love cortisol's trying his best okay previously i saw cortisol as the type of person to push a grandma into oncoming traffic rather than help her across the street but but now i know wow
0: that's kind of violent
1: now i know cortisol would not only help her across the street it would also help her into the grocery store and do her shopping for her and send her on her way so I have to would be. Would it send her
0: on her way or would it take her to her home, help her get up the stairs and put all of the groceries away in a very organized manner and then recycle all of the paper bags?
1: I don't think I'm going to give cortisol that much credit. <laughs> it's still the stress hormone, so I still think it would just okay, send her on her so way. so <laughs> it's not going to
0: push grannies on the street and it'll help her do her grocery It'll shopping. help,
1: but it won't help all of the way. <laughs> <laughs> I have to have some forgiveness for cortisol, Okay. So the reason why I won't give cortisol that much credit and say that it's going to go put all of
0: Granny's groceries away. Is because you're unforgiving?
1: No, it's because of what cortisol can also do.
0: Amy. Do or did unforgiving? Both. <laughs> <laughs> it's what it's done. Brittany has a lot of grudges and resentments. <laughs> it still does it to me. Embrace so cortisol, Brittany. Give it a hug. Um. It
1: does something to me. Cortisol is lonely. It just needs a little bit of guidance. Okay, but why does it make me have anxiety? Why does it make me go into fight or flight mode? Well, that's what cortisol is supposed to do. I know! cortisol's job. (laughs) It's not fair. When I'm under stress, my stress response is fight or flight. And that's what cortisol does.
0: And that's what it does for all people. Yes, it's supposed to do that. <laughs> because, because when I'm under stress, I go, I go into fight or <laughs> flight. You all, everybody balls. does. But that's but why you're very I don't Brittany. think okay. that it would bring
1: the groceries up for Granny. Because what it does, to <laughs> are me... you the
0: Granny? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a Granny. <laughs> I know I'm only thirty years old, but I felt like I a feel Grandma like since on. I was fourteen. <laughs> that's relatable.
1: Well, to be fair, that is cortisol's job because survival is kind of, like, important. So (laughs) it's essential for us to have fight or flight because in stressful situations where we do have to fight or flight for our lives, it's essential. So I have to give cortisol credit for doing what it's supposed to do. But the problem is it it doesn't only do it when I'm under critical life or death situations. (laughs) If you have chronic stress, which a lot of us do, it's very normal. One of the reactions in our body is chronic cortisol response.
0: Again, doing its job because it's like, ooh, you're under stress. Ooh, I got to do this. I got to go and fight or flight. Ooh, I got to release cortisol because that's what the body does when there's stress. It's doing its job, to
1: be fair. But with the chronic cortisol response, it affects certain functions in our body that are considered non-essential for our survival. So think if you're trying to run away from like a saber-toothed tiger or something. no. We're trying to run away from the jaguar in my hormone jungle. Okay, okay, okay. We're trying to run away from the jaguar in your hormone jungle. Well, digestion and fertility aren't exactly essential at that time. I could see that. You don't need to digest that plantain right then. It can wait. Exactly. (laughs) So what can happen is this chronic cortisol response can affect those non-essential functions. And like I mentioned, digestion and fertility being two of them and essentially slow or stop them.
0: All right. So I know, I know that every time anyone mentions stress and how it affects our body, I know personally that I just want to roll my eyes because it's like, okay, yes, I've heard that, been there, done that, heard it, heard it, read it. Someone told me about it. We know. Experienced it. I get it. Stress hurts the body. But right now we're going to talk about how stress hurts the body and how stress... (laughs) (laughs) We're going to talk about how stress affects our hormones because even though we hear about stress on so many levels. I feel like until I started researching into this, I didn't realize how deeply stress affects the hormones. And it's so funny, like I know in my own case, you know, I've heard about how stress affects illness and stress affects and stress is bad for us and stress hurts our gums and stress hurts our hormones and stress harms our body and stress harms your memory and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And we can all recite it from memory from the bottom of our hearts. And then we have a really hard time actually managing stress. That's my case, at least. But Brittany and I did an episode on stress management a while back, so definitely check that out if you're looking for tips on how you can manage stress and more ways, more ways that stress harms the body. Exciting, not, (laughs) but good to know. So as Brittany explained, cortisol is released when we're under stress, and cortisol comes out to help limit functions that are not essential to survival. But cortisol also, as Brittany said, it regulates blood sugar, metabolism, and blood pressure, and helps with memory formation, and it lowers inflammation, and it also helps with our sleep-wake cycle. So if you get really fascinated by the topic of cortisol and you want to go online, you can find graphs where it shows you what the cortisol pattern looks like in the body throughout the day. About 30 minutes after you wake up, our cortisol peaks, and it's usually typically at the highest that it is in the whole day, and then it drops down during the day, and it goes down, and then it, when it's nighttime, it stays pretty steady and flat at night and low. So cortisol helps us wake up, and then cortisol stays down at night so that we can sleep. Some people, like Brittany... <laughs> <laughs> Brittany Saul. Oh,
1: no. It's so messed up it gets its own name. Corda Brittany.
0: So Brittany Saul. I feel
1: honored. <laughs> My own version of Brittany cortisol. Brittany Saul has
0: something that's colloquially known among the cool kids like Brittany as, quote unquote, tired but wired. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> always tired, always wired. <laughs> so oftentimes when cortisol is dysregulated, then it can be really hard to get up in the morning, hence the tired. So you can, when you wake up, you can feel really groggy. That's because cortisol might be low in the morning. And then in the evening, you know, you're exhausted, you're really tired, and then you get in bed and you're so wired and your mind is alert and it's racing. And you're like, where was all this energy when I was doing my job from nine to five? Because I certainly wasn't this alert. Yeah, that's accurate. (laughs) That's what's happening with Mrs. Righty. She's like, Oh, nine to five. I'm nah, so not gonna tired. Work. And then at night, she's like, oh, I'm the
1: <laughs> I can't sleep. I'm so alert. I'm hyperactive. <laughs> like, stop it. Leave me
0: alone. <laughs> like, you really need to get your cortisol levels checked out, Miss Righty. <laughs> so, some people, their cortisol spikes at night, and that gives them that second wind or that feeling of being really wired and unable to get to sleep. And so it can be really helpful to get your cortisol tested with a doctor and see what exactly your cortisol is doing during the day and if your cortisol is nice to you or if your cortisol is not so nice to you in terms of the sleep-wake cycle. I actually saw my cortisol levels and I am proud to say, thank you, thank you. I deserve an award that my cortisol levels look really good and they peak when they should. And they stay flat at night. Yeah, it makes me nice.
1: <laughs> I mean, although I don't have
0: anaphylaxis when I eat anything. So, like, it's a trade-off. <laughs> Pros and cons. Yeah. And you have really crappy cortisol dysregulation, but then you have lefty and I have righty. two
1: ovaries. Yeah. You know what? I'd be more than happy if you adopted my lefty and we could
0: co-parent. Oh, my gosh. I could take lefty on the weekend. Yeah. You could have lefty during the week. It would be great. It would oh. be a great co-parenting situation. <laughs> that would be so wonderful. <laughs>
1: So obviously, we're talking about cortisol, which means we have to talk about stress. And we all know that stress is something that puts pressure on us. It can put pressure on our minds or our bodies or cause a reaction in our bodies because of
0: its demands. So demanding.
1: I would say that typically we think of stress as an external stressor or something that happens to us, like a work deadline or sitting in traffic for a long time. Or a neighbor playing their music way too loud at 1 a.m. But stress can actually also be caused by internal factors. Really? Yes. So even though you could be managing dealing with your external stressors really well by using stress management tips, but you could still be having internal stress like food intolerances. Oh, my gosh.
0: I have those, a lot of those. That celiac disease stresses
1: my body out. (laughs) Oh, my. Also, inflammation. Oh, very. Yeah, we're in trouble with that one. Very high with the endometriosis. <laughs> not good. Also, blood sugar problems. Oh, I'm great with that. But, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> yeah,
0: but Brittany is not in a good place there. But, ooh, I got one.
1: Well, you don't got this one. SIBO. <laughs> oh, SIBO. Probably I don't got that one, too. Jury's out for now. <laughs> and also, any kind of gut dysbiosis or infection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big problems there. Yeah, Big you got that. There. And. Poor sleep. Ooh. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, we're struggling with that right now. Yes. Okay. So So, all of those are internal stressors that are happening inside of our body that's
0: actually causing a stress reaction. Oh my God. On our bodies. Okay. Can I just say, I know you named like six internal stressors, and of course there are more, but I feel really good that I didn't have one of them. Like, I feel really good that I don't have blood sugar dysregulation. You have one. I feel like I just got my report card, and even though it's all covered in Fs, I have one. A minus. And I am so proud right now. I'm going to frame that thing. I'm going to put it on the fridge. I'm going to circle the A minus. Just casually X out all the Fs. So are we just going to ignore
1: that I have straight
0: Fs on my report card? Or You can be like, maybe work harder, Brittany. Okay. Try harder. And maybe next year, like me, you'll have one A on the report okay. card. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the takeaway with stress is that it can screw up your hormones. Now, we mentioned when we did our episode about stress management that the opposite state of fight or flight can be known as rest and digest. Because your body, like we said, when you're under stress, it cannot digest well because that is considered a non-essential function. So you're resting and you're digesting. Or it has also been called feed and breed. I still hate that now as much as I did when we did. It's that horrible. I hate it. It's ugh. disgusting. But I think it. Brings I, they went really. for the rhyme. Okay, but ew. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that feed and breed, which is ugh. so feed and breed, it's a really good moniker. I think because it's really indicative of the fact that your stress can mess with your fertility. Your stress can mess with your hormones and your reproduction. Hence the breed part of the feed and breed. It's gross, but it's accurate. (laughs) It's gross, but helpful to remember it.
1: So Amy, how does stress mess with our sex hormones?
0: Even if fertility is not your goal, of course, it's really important that the sex hormones are in balance because we just named all of these really important functions that all the different sex hormones carry out in the body. Even though it's called feed and breed, it should really be called Mm, feed and feel good? Feed and feel. Feed and <laughs> memory, mood, energy, sleep. No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could just leave the long Ooh, list. Oh, I got of one. Bone health. <laughs> feed and function. Ooh, ah. Mm. So we're going to substitute now feed and breed to feed and function. And then we're also going to put in a petition with all the websites that have feed All and science ever. <laughs> And say, please, <laughs> change your rhyme to our rhyme. Less of a rhyme, more alliterative, but still just as fun, okay? (laughs) So when I first started doing research for this episode, I kept coming across something that's called the pregnenolone steal. Thief. (laughs) And many functional health practitioners talk about how cortisol steals pregnenolone, which ultimately results in low progesterone and other hormones.
1: So you may have heard of the pregnenolone steal because it's very commonly talked about, but… It's actually an outdated theory. Surprise, surprise. Terrible. So first we're going to explain this common theory because we're likely to come across it. But then we're going to explain what is actually happening. It's okay. been labeled
0: a thief and it's innocent. That's just so sad. I mean, it's kind of a thief. It's just not in the mechanisms that are used to explain how it's a thief. So I think, think it's still helpful to think of cortisol as a thief. Oh. guy. I mean, I thought he was crime, helping though. all the grandmas. Well, maybe he's, he's helping. stealing their money as he's getting them to the grocery he's like, store. Oh, these groceries! Mm, even though the receipt says twenty five dollars, he's like, "Oh, it came. To it $78. was seventy eight dollars." Wow! And Granny's like, "Wow! All I bought was some apples and oranges and bananas." Well, those were expensive. You know, the price items. of fruit has been going up recently <laughs> in this country. Sneaky cortisol, inflation is happening, and inflammation, <laughs> as we know pregnenolone is the building blocks of all of our steroid hormones. Now, the idea behind the pregnenolone steal is that when cortisol is high, it steals pregnenolone. However, according to newer research, that's not what's actually happening. So now we're going to explain what the newer research says is actually happening. So it is true by all means, like, even if you take away the pregnenolone steel or what we're going to explain now, the important thing to know is that stress is definitely 100% can mess with your hormones. It's really fascinating to understand how it works in the body. But for lay people like us, I think it's what's just really important to know is that when we're in fight or flight, we cannot feed and function. We may have heard of what's called the HPA axis, and this is the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal. HPA axis. Stress actually activates the HPA axis. The HPA axis is responsible for the fight or flight response. Brittany's favorite response. The only response I have. (laughs) Brittany's only response. Truth be there. (laughs) I'm about to flight right now. (laughs) So there's also the HPG axis which is the hypothalamic pituitary gonadal, HPG, axis. So you saw that the H and the P were the same on those two, which is the hypothalamic pituitary. And then the last letter changed and was A for adrenal or G for gonadal. So these two axes excise. (laughs) (laughs) Axes. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Jeez. That was embarrassing. Okay, so these two, what would you say? Axes. Axes. <laughs> <laughs> so just these two. These two talk to each other and they affect each other. And the primary role of the HPG axis is to control reproduction, although it has other roles too. But the primary role is reproduction. And that's what we're going to talk about now. So I've definitely heard
1: of the HPA axis. But I'm not sure I've heard of the HPG axis.
0: First of all, Brittany, I just said it, so now you've heard okay, it. Okay, but
1: until then, I had
0: not. Okay. I don't think. I think you have. Are you sure? Well, have you heard of GNRH drugs for endometriosis like Lupron or Lysazolidex, Cinerol?
1: Oh, it's almost like we did multiple episodes on that. You <laughs> betcha. <laughs>
0: Well, Brittany, clearly your memory is not very good. So you, maybe you need more alone or DHA or, or testosterone. Or Yeah. <laughs> is there just like a super hormone pack that it just you, fixes everything, please? You take it and then not only do you feel better, you would get superpowers. Oh. <laughs> oh. Can we get this on the market? That would be so great. So many of us have heard of GnRH drugs for endometriosis and these work on the HPG access. So we're talking about a lot of anagrams
1: here, HPA, HBG, GnRH, but we know what HPA and HPG stand for. What does
0: GnRH stand for? So GnRH is gonadotropin-releasing hormone, and the G in HPG axis is gonadal. <gasps> oh, it's all coming together now. And what these drugs typically do, like Lupron or Lissa's, Olidex, they lower GNRH or they block the receptor's access to GNRH. GNRH is a hormone that sends the signals to the ovaries to make hormones. The process is a little more complex, but to simplify it, the GNRH sends signals to the ovaries. Ovaries, it's time to shine. <laughs> Go ahead Up and atom. Ovulate. Make hormones, make estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, do it. So when we take Lupron or Alyssa or these GnRH drugs, what these drugs do is they prevent GnRH from sending signals to the ovaries, and so the ovaries don't get their signals, so they're all lost and confused. It's like someone tell us what to do. It's like a boat without a lighthouse. They don't know where, where they're the going. Land. Where to go? Know. They have no idea. A so captainless then, ship. Oh, <laughs> a captainless ovary <laughs> ship. And so then we go into medical menopause when we take these GnRH drugs. Stress, to put it simply. to simpl- Simply? You yeah. can simplify stress? I mean, that's a lot. Not for Brittany, but to like <laughs> explain about stress okay, in a fine. simple method. So to put it simply, stress activates the HPA axis and that can mess with the HPG axis because they talk to each other, which is unsurprising because, as we said, they both start with the letter H and the letter P, so they both involve the hypothalamus and the pituitary. And through a much more science process than we will explain today, since we're keeping it simple. So basically, stress and cortisol production can result in a lower production of GnRH by the hypothalamus. And that results in a lowering of hormones. Wait, wait, wait. Okay,
1: I think I get it now. Stress activates the HPA axis, which can mess with the HPG axis, which can mess with the production of our
0: hormones.
1: (gasps) I get it now. Yes, Brittany. I feel so much smarter in the past 10 seconds.
0: (laughs) Long story short, when we're under stress, stress hormones go up and sex hormones go down. And to make it worse, progesterone is a hormone that is very calming to the body and helps us sleep (laughs) and helps us by stabilizing the HPA axis. If the levels of progesterone go down, it can affect our ability to handle stress, and we can also get hormonal anxiety, which is so much fun and is something that everyone loves and wants. Keep crying through this whole section. (laughs) We mentioned the sleep and the anxiety. Brittany's falling apart over here.
1: Ding (laughs) and ding. Brittany's screaming, I need progesterone. Give it to me. I need
0: progesterone. (laughs) So let's say we get hormonal anxiety, like Brittany has. Then we get more stress from that, like Brittany has.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I can't resist. Why is this a me case study? (laughs) I didn't sign up for that. I can't resist.
0: (laughs) And then we said that stress can lower sex hormones. So if we have lower progesterone, then it can lead to Hormonal anxiety, which can then lead to stress, which can then lead to lower progesterone, which can then lead to anxiety, which can then lead to more stress, which can then lead to lower progesterone. Okay, I
1: get it. It's a terrible cycle. I got it.
0: It's a cycle that Brittany is trapped in right now. Let me out. Please. Put the progesterone in my mouth. Just IV it right to my veins at this point. All right, Brittany, bend over
1: okay, I'll do the suppository,
0: anything. <laughs> <laughs> Injects progesterone in Britney's butt cheek. I'll do it. <laughs> no, I don't think that anyone is injecting maybe cream on the butt cheek, but yes. not, I don't think there's actually
1: I don't, yeah, I injections.
0: Wonder. I don't think so. But if there are, sign Britney out there.
1: <laughs> So it's really fascinating to learn about the chain reaction that stress can have in our bodies. I mean, knowing that stress can Cause dysfunction in our HPA axis, which can then, yeah, you know, which can then lower our GnRH, which can then cause our ovary to not ovulate or produce hormones, which can then, if we don't ovulate, inhibit our progesterone symptoms! production. Which can, <laughs> <laughs> so many, <That's> so overwhelming. <laughs> so many symptoms. That's a really long chain reaction. That is a
0: ripple and in that's, the pond, and that's simplified.
1: Yes, I mean it'd be much easier to just say that stress is a hormone thief and disruptor. That'd be much easier, but I feel like that's a good summary of yeah. that
0: section. Knowing yeah. the full the full chain reaction is really fascinating. Well, then knowing that that's actually true and not just like stress messes with the body, it's like okay, how? how? <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay, wow. Now, now I, I know that's how just one process that it messes yes. with. Oh God, what can we do for our stress? So. Of course, we all know that we can look for ways to lower our stress and lower our cortisol. And this varies per individual, but could be things like yoga, meditation, time in nature, getting better sleep, gardening, journaling, singing, doing art, etc. But this can also mean addressing our internal stressors. For many of us, that could mean clearing up our SIBO or clearing up our gut bacteria infection. That could mean changing to an anti-inflammatory diet. It might mean taking more vitamin B or C, which can help with stress. Or it might mean using herbs that can support the HPA access, such as skullcap, magnolia, or sisyphus. And of course, remember, if you're going to start any herbs or supplements, definitely do your research and definitely talk to your doctor before you start anything.
1: So I think we all know that physical activity can really lower our stress. It's something that when you're stressed, you go take a walk. When you're stressed, I go for a run. When I'm stressed, I do X, Y, or Z. It's something that we commonly
0: do to combat our stress levels. And additionally, exercise helps your whole body, even if stress management is not your goal. Mm-hmm. Exercise has all kinds of benefits in the body. It makes the good brain chemicals. It helps the mood. It helps us get in shape and it lowers inflammation. Oh,
1: exercise is so good. It's so needed for our body to flourish, okay? I'm going to go exercise right now. No, we got to finish the episode. (laughs) I feel like I'm
0: exercising (laughs) my brain right now.
1: Well, exercise and physical activity can, like you said, do things that aren't just lowering your stress. It can do things like helping with insulin resistance, which really messes with our hormones. And strength training, physical activity, and exercise can help actually raise your testosterone.
0: That's what I need right now. Yeah, you need I to do, do that to get your muscle mass strength going. Strength training. I really do. And it's not that hard to do if you, like, do it while watching TV. Just lift, lift a cat little... up and down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have two cats, one cat one in, in each, each arm. arm. Come on. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so that's really good for that as well. Wow, exercise is like the magic pill. but The magic regulator. The magic physical motion. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exercise is so much more than just about getting in shape or being fit, whatever that exercise concept means to you.
0: Exercise will make you a millionaire. It will no. help you find your soulmate. No. It will make you a mortal. N- uh, no. Everyone go exercise. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Those
1: claims are not backed up by science in any way. <laughs> That's our <laughs> disclaimer. <laughs> exercise is important for our body to function, not because it will make us a millionaire, which it won't or help us find our soulmate, which it won't. Well, actually, it could if you join a group exercise. But <laughs>
0: there's no guarantee. You could yeah, you could find your soulmate and you could become a millionaire if you um, were a physical trainer when you exercise. Okay, but it's not or... going to make you immortal no matter what you do.
1: <laughs> we do want to say though that while exercise and body movement can be great for the body, too much high intensity exercise could actually be a bad thing, and it could lead to injuries or exhaustion, even depression or other negative effects on the body. And it can also affect our hormones. Overexercising can cause the body stress, and we just explained what detrimental
0: effects stress can have on our hormones. Did we? We oh. did! I don't recall spending 25 minutes talking about Brittany's issues with cortisol. <laughs> we did, okay. though. Okay, speaking Brittany. of cortisol,
1: we're going to lower okay. the stress. Breathe. Breathe it in. <laughs> Deeper
0: breathing than that. Okay, okay. Someone okay, get okay. ready a paper bag.
1: Okay, <laughs> please. So there's actually something called exercised induced amenorrhea, which is when a person's period stops due to overexercising. Which might seem great because who wants to get their period?
0: But Oh, wait, me. Yes. Me, I want to get my period. Yeah, okay. you said who wants to get their period? I, I saying, did. Oh, me, me, me. And me. why? Oh, yeah, I want to have a lot of cramps. I want to. You know, be debilitated in pain for several days. I want to do a lot of bleeding, too, so I can stain the chairs that I sit in. Right? Anyone? Anyone? Hello? Uh, Yeah, no one. No (laughs) one's there. No one's answering you.
1: Well, it's a blessing to not have our period pain or stained couches or pants or bed or all the things I've
0: stained. Or train seats. Don't forget those. Yeah,
1: bus seat, office chair.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Pants that you're borrowing from another person.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I bought white pants once. What naivete?
0: <laughs> Come on. You I were, was very hopeful. You were. You were hopeful. You were <sighs> like, no, no. I want to wear white pants. No, my beard, beard was were, like, nah, bro. You were telling, you were giving the universe a message, right? Yeah. You were trying to manifest the lack of blood stains. You were like, if I were white, <laughs> universe, you no. see, I'm going after the white pants, baby. I ended up with a target yeah. circle on my butt. Ooh. So, you And know. then. I thought I saw your bot in the recent advertisements. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. It It was between you and spot the dog. Yeah,
1: that was it. (laughs) So while it is great to not have a big red target circle on our backsides, as we said in the last episode, our menstrual cycles and ovulation are important for our overall health because our ovaries need to make hormones because they play a crucial role in our bodies. Crucial. Bone health,
0: heart health. Plump, moist vagina skin. Never say that again. Or vaginal skin. Ooh,
1: never say either
0: again. <laughs> vagina skin. <laughs> no, it was the it
1: was the two precursors for me. Plump, moist. Yeah, no, I'm good.
0: Yeah, well. tapping out. If I your will skin take... is dry and shriveled, you will, will be wishing. That. No, you won't. Because that is painful. On fault. words alone, oh, okay. I will take that. <laughs> to never have to hear you say
1: vagina <laughs> skin ever again. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, when you're in menopause or just at an age where your hormones I the are mm, not. Mm, vagina skin. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be singing the phrases. Okay, fine. <laughs> you would be like, now I know why Amy talked about, that mm, mm, vagina skin. <laughs> That's funny. You would think a lot of people would actually say plump, moist mm, skin. No, no, no. Not here. We're not on this a, podcast. We're not afraid <laughs> to use the word vagina. We're, we're afraid afraid vagina to vagina.
1: The word plump and moist together. <laughs> So make sure not to overdo it, and if you're wondering how much exercise is too much, you can actually look online because it depends on various factors, and ultimately you can judge how exercise makes you
0: feel. Now, if you remember in our episode about estrogen and hormones, we talked about the gut, and we talked about the gut's role in metabolizing estrogen. You'll find any
1: reason to talk about the gut and pooing. Any excuse she can find, she'll find it. (laughs)
0: And another thing that the gut can contribute to is inflammation. Inflammation in the body can affect the... Go ahead, Brittany. HPA axis? (laughs) (laughs) That was a wild guess. (sighs) Inflammation, inflammation can affect the HPA axis. No! I was right, and I didn't want to (laughs) be. Okay, so inflammation in the body, which many of us have a lot of inflammation just because of endometriosis, but then we can also have inflammation because we have SIBO or a gut dysbiosis. But basically, inflammation can suppress HPA axis function, meaning that it can suppress the hypothalamus and pituitary.
1: (laughs) Suppress isn't good here. (laughs) Not one of the things we want to suppress. Which we talked about
0: earlier about how those produce stimulating hormones. And it can suppress the adrenals, which play a role in our hormones, too. <laughs> We're just going to cry for the rest of this episode? <laughs> <laughs> yes. it's so the hormones are making me cry. It can affect our hormones. <laughs> and it can affect the function of the ovaries, too. <laughs> That's probably why my progesterone is so low. That makes a lot of sense okay. now. It really does.
1: It affects your progesterone in multiple ways. Oh, my God.
0: And also. This is fun. Inflammatory cytokines can cause hormone resistance.
1: Inflammatory
0: cytok What's a cytokine? To put it simply, cytokines are a category. So within cytokines, there are different molecules. So they're signaling molecules that are involved with inflammation and the immune system response. So inflammatory cytokines can cause hormone resistance. La resistance <laughs> vive la resistance
1: <laughs> okay, the resistance, but like what kind what, what does that mean for me?
0: <laughs> well, our hormones are chemical messengers, right, and our hormones are going around the body, and what they're doing is they're looking for receptors so that they can talk to each other, so for example, if you have progesterone, progesterone acts when it's inside of the receptor, it's kind of like progesterone is a baseball and the receptor is a baseball mitt. So it like catch the ball. The receptor catches the hormone. But if you have hormone resistance, that means that the hormones, when they get in the receptor, they're not reacting or producing the effect that they normally would. So basically no one wants hormone resistance. Basically no one wants any of these things. No one wants hormone (laughs) resistance. No one wants SIBO. No one wants HPA axis dysfunction. No one wants cortisol dysregulation. My God.
1: But sometimes we have them. <laughs> but we have them all, many of us. Yes.
0: <laughs> oh, and no one wants inflammation. Real flush. Station. <laughs> and actually, some of us already have progesterone resistance, which we talked about in the, a previous episode about progesterone resistance and endometriosis. And interestingly, the endometrium which is our uterine lining, not endometriosis. Hold on, let me ring up my former gynecologist and let her know that they're not the same. Ring, ring. They're not the same, honey. Thank you. So interestingly, the endometrium may also have progesterone resistance in some people with endo, which is like, what? So there was a study comparing the endometrium of people with endo to the endometrium of people without endo. And it found that in people with endo who participated, they had ovarian progesterone levels that were normal, but their endometrium's capacity to respond to these normal levels of progesterone seemed to be reduced. And various studies have confirmed this progesterone resistance in the reproductive tract among some people with endometriosis. So basically, when progesterone is in its receptor, it's like, hey, Hey, over here! Do this biological stuff. Yeah, come on, do it. Do the things. Turn on this enzyme over here. Turn on that one. Shut that one off. Do this other thing. And normally, the tissue would respond and be like, "Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm Brittany. I want to do an A plus. I want to." <laughs> <laughs> Poor Brittany. Excuse me. <laughs> I'm the former Brittany before before Brittany stopped being a perfectionist. So the tissue would be like former Brittany, like, "Okay, yeah, yeah." oh my God, I'll do it right away. Yes, I'm an A plus student. I do everything right away. I do extra credit. I do A plus, 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 plus work. At the detriment to myself. You want me to stay late? You didn't ask me to stay late? I'll stay late anyway. I'll get it done. I Why will get it I done. I'm out right now. <laughs> what did I do? How's my project? You need to translate it in 10 languages? You don't? I'll translate it in 10 languages anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I'm an overachiever. Yeah. Okay, okay I uh, get Appreciate it. me. I get it. I and get then you're it. all burnt out and you're like, no one appreciated that I translated my project into 10 languages, even though we only speak English in this office. It's a 10 languages.
1: That's because the key takeaway is no business ever cares about you. That's why I'm not a perfectionist <laughs> anymore. Okay? Okay. Done with nice. capitalism,
0: okay? <laughs> yeah. I have learned. <laughs> so the endometrium normally doing its thing without the progesterone resistance would be like the old perfectionistic Brittany, who did everything really well when told. But now the endometrium who's got progesterone resistance, the progesterone goes up there. It's like, hey, do this thing. Do the biological stuff. And the endometrium's like, ha. No way, progesterone. You're not going to boss me around anymore. You're not going to tell me what to do. I'm not taking any more of your, mm, you know, stuff that you find in a diaper. And also coming out of your boss's mouth. (laughs) (laughs) That's the tea for today. (laughs) (laughs) Down with capitalism. I'm all
1: about it. (laughs) Eat the rich. Okay,
0: anyway. (laughs) But the point is that with progesterone resistance, The biological processes that should be happening in response to progesterone are not happening. And with endometriosis, this can lead to higher estrogen, higher inflammation. We talked about the science behind this in depth in the episode on why endometriosis is not the endometrium. But anyways, I digress. Why don't you go ahead, Brittany, and summarize the next section for us. No, I
1: refuse. You are not going to boss me around. You said I was the progesterone. Well, here I am, the progesterone, who has learned that you're not going to boss me around. You can't boss me around.
0: Unbelievable. Do you have Amy resistance right now? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I would never resist you.
1: But also don't boss me around. But also, you can boss me around. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, the key takeaway is... (laughs) ...is that our gut health plays a role in our hormonal health in a variety of ways. So... Addressing our gut health can help with our hormone health. Yay! I think what also makes a really good point is that getting our overall health in order can help our hormones. So basic pillars of health like eating nutrient-dense foods, getting enough sleep, exercising or moving the body, addressing gut health, lowering our stress and finding ways to relax, all of these can actually help our energy levels, our mood, our inflammation, and our hormone health.
0: Oh, I want help in all of those.
1: (laughs) Check, 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 and check. So we all know here that none of these can cure endometriosis. Oh, my God, really? Not even the all-powerful celery juice with kale with turmeric in it? Not even the kale turmeric celery suppository, no.
0: (laughs) The injection in the butt cheek.
1: (laughs) Yes, none of them can cure endo. So, of course, you can have great practices and routines for health, like getting a good night's sleep, walking daily, getting out into nature, etc., And still have hormone problems. I think. (laughs) I know. Is that the boat most of us are in?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that
1: boat is sinking quickly. Yes. We are trying to bail as fast as we can. And we only have a teaspoon with which to do it. (laughs) I feel like I'm reliving the Titanic.
0: (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) The boat is vertical and I'm hanging from. uh, The propeller. (laughs) Hanging
1: from the rudder, please. (laughs) So I think it's great to look at our overall routines and lifestyles and have practices that could help lead to less stress and more energy. But in doing so, let's not pressure ourselves. We don't need to do things perfectly because perfect doesn't exist. Says the ex-perfectionist. Thank you, I'm speaking from a place of all-knowing here because I always had to achieve perfect, which is impossible because it's not real. Thank you, Brittany, for your
0: wisdom from your lived experience. (laughs)
1: experience. Perfection doesn't exist. And just doing something, even if it's not done perfectly, is better than doing nothing. So that's coming from experience where either I did it perfectly or I didn't do it at all. But that's not the way to go. Do something, even if it's imperfect or it's just a little step. But none of what we do will cure our endometriosis. And we don't need to pressure ourselves to do everything all at one time.
0: Oh, I also want to add to your list of lifestyle practices that, if you're having hormone issues or symptoms, or you're in perimenopause and having symptoms, then something to consider is completely quitting alcohol if you currently partake in having alcohol. While it can be really fun to drink alcohol or really relaxing, alcohol can also worsen hot flashes, activate mast cell. Activate mast cell. Oh, sorry, it's so like, it won't come get out of my. It. it won't come out of my mouth. Activate mast cell activation syndrome and histamine (laughs) intolerance. (laughs) Okay, I'm okay. I'm okay. Impairs estrogen metabolism since estrogen passes through the liver. It can hurt your microbiome. All righty. My goodness. We have talked about a lot. We've talked about progesterone, testosterone, the androgen bands. And our favorite, the HPA axis, (laughs) the effects of stress on our body and also the effects of gut dysbiosis and SIBO
1: on our body. Those internal stressors, those external stresses. What does our cortisol do? Where does our cortisol come from? I've learned so much.
0: Hopefully what we talked about today has been helpful. It was certainly helpful to Brittany and I to learn all of this for our own bodies. And we actually have more to say on the topic of hormones. So although we thought this was going to be a two-part series, this has turned into a three-part series on hormones. So next week, we're going to be back to talk about some more hormone facts. So we're going to have an upcoming episode, as we mentioned, on hormone replacement therapy and hormone testing. And hopefully that will end our hormone series, although we'll maybe probably never end... (laughs) the battle with hormones in the body hopefully we will leave the jungle that brittany will leave the ocean we'll just go to like a really we just have to leave and nice. go to mars i think oh. we'll just have to escape this planet <laughs>
1: right? like... leave all the hormones behind
0: <laughs> don't forget we're on the website in16years.com and that's where we're going to list all the resources that we use for the episode today so you can take a look for further learning and further research <laughs> <laughs> we hope you enjoyed
1: learning about how Darn sensitive hormones are and how interwoven they are. The domino effect of some of these hormones is astonishing to us. So we hope that that blew your mind as much as it blew ours. Blew my HPA
0: access, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> don't forget we're on Instagram at in 16 years of endo. Kindly send us a picture of your chin hairs if you have any. <laughs> I'd love to see them. <laughs> or if you're not comfortable sharing your chin hairs or you don't have any. Lucky, yeah, lucky you. Wow, lucky you. <laughs> I don't have any, yay. Which is surprising because I have very dark hair. So <laughs> you used to have them,
1: though, let's be real. Oh, yeah, before I had the laser hair removal. <laughs> thank yeah, you. Yeah, so she would have them, okay? Let's be clear. Thank you. Thank God. <laughs> okay.
0: My 23 year old self knew what she was doing back there. <laughs> I okay. didn't have laser hair removal. <laughs> you should have moved to Japan. It was very I know. popular there. Darn, no, like, I'm stuck with weird. these
1: spiky, wiry hairs. <laughs> it's okay. I embrace them. They are part of me anyway.
0: <laughs> well, Embrace your chin hairs and or, and, or, and let us know what your worst hormone symptom is. Ooh. Yeah. So your favorite, meaning your worst. <laughs> <laughs> the one you hate most. In my case, insomnia. Yeah, that one's pretty bad. Yeah. Because when you don't sleep then it messes with your whole day, and then you feel tired, then you have no energy, and then your brain I'd... isn't functioning very well, and then you have the brain fog, and then the mood goes down, and then you get anxiety, and then you feel depressed, and then you're wired, and then you can't sleep, and the whole cycle starts again.
1: <laughs> That's how I feel about my cortisol and my stress reaction. Just chain reaction for all of the terrible <laughs> things. Thanks for listening.